the joy right there. Isn't that cool? Thank you, Elias. That was awesome. Uh, you know, um, if you're joining us today, uh, we, we're doing a, a five-part series where we're kind of going through the Charlie Brown Christmas story, and we're kind of breaking up and using videos from each part of that for, for our message, and, and then obviously we use the scripture, and we're going to continue in that today. But I'm going to start with a little bit of a, a story here, an, an, an analogy, illustration. You can go to the first slide already. Um, see, I, I really enjoy the sport of wrestling. I love wrestling for this reason. I believe anyone can win at wrestling. You know, uh, learn the basics, and you, you're going to win 80% of your matches by learning the basics. You know, you learn the basics, you repeat the ba basics, you master the basics, and you're just going to win matches. Wrestling isn't determined by, by outside weather conditions like rain or snow or wind. It doesn't have an effect on it. It isn't determined um, by making sure you have enough qualified people and, and at each position. Nope, it's, it's, it's one person versus another. It's not a, it's not a sport where, where it's determined by who has the best equipment. You know, who has the best baseball bat or the best crew or the, like, pit crew or the best tires or, you know, any of those things. It's one person versus another person, like I said. It's not determined um, by... By, um, by making sure that you field, you know, 10 other good players. It's, it's you and one other person. And I'm not trying to put down any other sports, but I, I like wrestling because the variables are limited. But even in wrestling, you can teach someone, you can teach the little kids from the day they start, you can teach them the basics, and you can teach them, the, and you repeat it, and you repeat it, and you repeat it, and, and you, what, you, what you do when you're teaching them is you're trying to drive home certain points and, and to get them to learn the basics, the foundations. Now, sometimes they remember those, and sometimes they don't. Because you can go to a wrestling match, and, 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 and when they're little, and you'll see them make some mistakes, and, and you'll bring them in, and you'll teach them again, the same things over and over again. In the picture you have right here, you have, you have uh, the guy in red on the left. He is uh, in the down position. And then you have a guy on the right, and he's been flattened out a little bit. But when you wrestle, matter of fact, I know how many wrestlers we have in the room. If you've ever wrestled, raise your hand. Okay, don't make me look bad. When you're in the down position, from the very beginning of wrestling, you're taught one thing. What are you taught? You made me look bad. What don't you do? There we go. Of course we get up, but the thing that we're always taught is never reach back. Don't reach back because one of these first things they start teaching us little kids is put a half in or do these things. And when you reach back, you open yourself up to, to, to so many different things that are bad. But here's the deal. When I go to wrestling matches for little kids, you see it all the time. And you hear the coaches, you hear the dads, you hear the moms, you hear the grandmas, you hear everybody in the stadium going, don't reach back! Even I know that! <laughs> but there's something inside of us, it's, I, I think it's like a natural thing, that when someone's like right on top of you and they're in the dominant position, you want to grab anything or do anything you can, and you reach back, and that's what you do, you reach back to the head or something like that, and, and it's not good for you. And we teach that as little kids. And then I will go to a high school event, and these kids have been wrestling for years. And you're sitting there, and this kid's on the bottom. There's a head hanging right here. And whoop, they reach back. And everyone starts being like, don't reach back. Well, you know what? No matter what we teach, no matter how hard we drive home the idea, it's going to happen. 
It's kind of like us when we learn the law or when, or when we, we hear things as we grow up, what not to do, you know? We, we learn from an early age, you know what? Don't, don't lie. Don't steal. Don't commit adultery. Don't, 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 don't. Don't we hear those? We hear them over and over again. But do we do it? I mean, we can teach our kids from a very young age, don't be selfish, share. We're greedy people by nature, right? We, we can get taught, speak well of people our whole lives. You, I mean, use your tongue for good, speak nice. And what do we do? We love to slander. We love to say, I, I'm guilty of this. I love to get that little barb, that little bit of a, a, a sly joke that, that, you know what, it was a joke, 2% joke and 98% humor, right? But we do it. You know, we can say don't, don't, don't commit adultery, but you know what? We look at another person with lust in our eye. Or there's other ways we do this where, where we, we do the things that we know we shouldn't do. We look at another person and think, man, they would be the best spouse, better than my spouse. They would be better than my spouse. Look at them. They're always put together well. They always are on time. Oh, they work all these hours. They manage their house. And, and we make up these false stories in our head, and we sin. And you know what? That's kind of like we're always reaching back. We're always reaching back and doing the things that we've been taught not to do. And it's because we're sinners. It's because inside of us, if you're going to be honest, and if you're going to look in your own heart right now, you can even as you sit here and be like, I bet you have it in your head. I bet you know right now, like one area where you know that you fail. I do. I know it. And I'm glad you don't know it. I'm glad you can't see it. I'm glad you can't look at me and just know all the ways that I mess up, but I know it. And we walk around this world and, and, and we feel an emptiness. We feel something that kind of haunts us. But you know what? There's another way we reach back. There's another way that we go back and we reach back towards something we shouldn't be reaching back for. And it's what we're going to be talking about today. And this thing that we reach back for, it's, it haunts us. It's, it's, it's certain moments of our lives that, that we go back and we're reaching back towards something that we shouldn't be reaching back for. And it's this. It's a life of good works. It's a life of, of valuing myself based on the good things that I do. I'm not a bad person. We'd say that. Oh, I do a lot of good things. You know, and we usually do this when we mess up the most. We try and justify it and kind of weigh out, you know, have them cancel each other out. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. But, but let's start by looking at a text that we're going to be looking at. It comes from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Let's pray, and then we're going to read these two verses. Dear Lord Jesus, we just pray for today. We pray that you would be the one who has his way in our hearts and our minds and our souls, Lord. Lord, speak to us. Tell us, remind us, proclaim to us what Christmas is all about. Make it alive and real to us, Lord, that we wouldn't just go throughout our days preparing for Christmas, distracted by everything. Instead, may you engulf us with the love that you have for us when you stepped into this world. May that be proclaimed today. 
In your name we pray. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, it says this, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself. It is a gift from God, not by works, so that anyone can boast. That's it. That's our text for today. Does that, that seem familiar to you? From when? From where? From what, Andrew? Two weeks, Two weeks ago. I preached the same text, and you're like, man, wasn't that good then? I know. That's why I'm doing it again. I'm like, hey, I can make it better. I'm just kidding. So, you know, hopefully it looks familiar to you, but, but we're going we're gonna to look at, I, I deliberately left something out of it, and, and it says, for you have been saved by grace. And I think we hear this a lot. You hear it, and, and, and I, I believe churches proclaim this, for it is grace you have been saved. But maybe it's like you need to ask that question, because we constantly hear, okay, I'm saved, but what am I saved from? What is it that I'm saved from? I am saved from, from the parts of God's word that, and, and, and the, the way that he gives us direction and guidance for life. I am saved from, from, from my lack of holiness. I'm saved from the parts of God's word that I deliberately disobey because I'm a person of the flesh. We are people that love to gratify the evil cravings that live inside of us. This is important for us to remember as we, as, we, as we know that we sin and we mess up. And if we don't remember this portion of it, if we don't remember that we, we're people who sin and make mistakes, then what ends up happening is this. Hear me. We end up diminishing what Christmas is all about. If I don't know how great of a sinner I am, I don't know how great it was for Christ to step into this world. There's no shame in me knowing that I make mistakes. There's no shame in me knowing that I'm a failure in certain areas of my life, most areas. The shame comes when I can't give it to Jesus. The shame comes when I can't hand it off to him and I want to hide it and I want to and I, and I pretend like it's not, like it's, like it's no big deal. The shame comes when I think I'm good, but I live with a, a, an emptiness inside of me. A couple of weeks ago, I used an, an illustration, and I want to go back to it really quickly. I asked you guys a question. I said, can a dead person or a person whose heart stopped use a defibrillator on themselves? What's the answer? And if, and if, and if, you're, if you're stopped breathing and you're laying there, can you give CPR to yourself? Where must it come from? Someone else. It's the same thing with our sin. We need it to come from somewhere else, but so often we think that, that we can revive ourselves, that we can pick ourselves up, that, that we can produce some type of good work. And if that was so, then Jesus Christ would not have ever needed to step into this world. I want to show you what it looks like, and, and it's just a cartoon, but, but just, just watch this two-minute clip, and I, and I want us to, to look at Charlie Brown on this clip.
Oh man, there's probably like, and I mean this with, with, with everything inside of me, I think there's like three sermons in there. <laughs> like there's, there's three things that she says to, to Charlie that I just sit here and like, man, like, oh, it's so not right. And, and, and you know, as we watch this, this, this little clip, Charlie Brown knows something is wrong. I think we all see this. He's like us. He has a longing and emptiness. He knows something is, is, is just not there. And he goes to the, the psychologist, his friend Lucy, and, 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 and he sits down, and, and I, this is one thing that we could be talking about too. How often is it that we go to just the wrong person for advice? If you, don't, if you don't ever watch any of the Charlie Brown stuff, Lucy is the same person who she always puts the ball down, and Charlie Brown runs up to kick it, and every time he's, he's about to kick it, she pulls it back, and he flies and falls down. But today, he's trusting her with something really important. So, and, and he goes to her, and he says, I'm in sad shape. And she looks at him, she says, you know what? If we can label you, if we can figure out what's wrong with you, then we can fix you. You're not that far off because you know you have a problem. So let's just do our best to label you, and then we can fix you. And then they get to the point where Charlie just says, actually, Lucy, my trouble is Christmas. I just don't understand it. Instead of feeling happy, I, sort of, I'm, I'm, I feel sort of let down. And she says this, you need involvement. You need to get involved in a, in a Christmas project. How would you like to be the director of the Christmas play? And did you see Charlie's face when she said that? It lit up. It was smiling because as we reach back, because we have a desire and a love to be involved. We think that if I do something, if I do something right, then it will fulfill me. Remember, 
how I said that we constantly reach back. And here it is. Charlie Brown is hearing the suggestion of do something more. Do a work that is different than what you've been doing. Do something. Do something new. And, and even though all of the works and all of that stuff has failed him to this point because he still feels an emptiness, he still kind of likes the idea. And the funniest part about it is he says, but I don't even know what I'm doing. I don't know how to do that. We constantly reach back to our works and think that they're going to fill us and satisfy, them, satisfy us. But verse 9 says, this is not of works. What God gives to us, what he brings to us in salvation when he steps into this world is something that is he does for us and it's not something that we can boast about. And Lucy has given Charlie guidance to reach back and trust yourself, do something and do more. The funniest part about that is my doing something and my doing more has only ever buried me. But I guess I can try again. Isn't that nuts? When I've constantly let myself down, I'm going to trust myself to do it again. I have a, a picture of a, a, a basketball player here. Um, when you look at it, what do you see? You see one basketball player trying to pick another basketball player up, right? What's that? Say, who said something? No, nah, close, close, close teams. Nope, nope. This is the same person. This, this, this is younger Derek picking up old, or older Derek picking up younger Derek. See, Derek was, was the league's youngest MVP. And then after a series of knee, is, knee issues, stupid decisions, court cases, and so on, he kind of messed things up. And then they show this picture of him, and he's literally picking himself up. And you know what? It's not possible. This, 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 is, this is an impossible spiritual picture for us. We think that we have the ability to pull ourselves out of the muck and the shame and the guilt. But we're not the only ones who do this. People have been, been doing this for a long time. We're going to go on to the next slide real quick. It comes from Matthew chapter 19. It's a little small for you to read, but I'm going to read it to you. It says this. Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Do you hear what he's asking? What do I do? What can I do? Why do you ask me about what is good, Jesus replied. There's only one who is good. And in that, Jesus is wanting him to see that it is him. Jesus is, is saying, I am the one who is good. And he goes on and says, if you want eternal life, keep the commandments. Which ones, the guy says. Jesus replied, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. Look at this. Look at that list. Hey, he's saying, since, since the time of you're a little boy, make sure you respect your mom and dad. Make sure you don't ever look at a, at a, at a, at a woman with lust. Make sure that you don't ever speak poorly of somebody else. Make sure you love your neighbor to the, the highest degree is what Jesus tells them. And, and this is the guy's response. All these things I've kept. If you've kept all these things and you've perfected the law, then, then you would not have a, a sense of lacking because that's what he says. What do I still lack? And Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell all your possessions and give to the poor and you'll have treasures in heaven. Then come and follow me. 
This guy is being buried by all of his accomplishments, and it still isn't enough. But it's, it's, it's crushing him, but he still doesn't have what it takes to walk away from this. It's an addiction. It becomes what we, we find our identities, and it becomes what we, we think of ourselves. And Jesus says to this man, abandon it all and follow me. And it hurts the man. Because that means it's abandoning himself. It's realizing that, that everything that he does isn't enough. It's all about the one who came in this world to be good for him. Again and again, we rely on ourselves and we keep turning back to ourselves for these things. But what does that first verse say that we started with in our message? It says this. For it is by grace that you have been saved. What have I been saved from? I've been saved from myself. And how is it that I've been saved? I've been saved, and this is what Christmas is all about. I've been saved by the works of Jesus. It's so funny. It's not funny. It's, it's, it's so hard for us to actually understand what Christmas is about because we look at that which is the most helpless. Was it 8.6 ounce baby Jesus? And we look at this little baby. It's a joke from a movie, I'm sorry. But we look at this baby and we celebrate that is going to save me. Jesus steps into this world to become Emmanuel. He steps into this world to become the one who saves me from myself, who can only bury myself. What is Christmas all about? What is Charlie Brown missing? He's missing the Savior who has come to redeem him. Do you believe this? Sort of? Do you believe this? Jesus is the one, he is the, the gift of God, and it is ours through faith, not by works so that no one can boast. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I just pray this morning that amongst all the confusion, the emptiness, the longing, the hurt, the pain, the shame, the guilt, the desire to do more, to be better, to please people, can be stripped from us. Lord, that we will look at you and see that you came into this world to be the greatest gift ever for us. Thank you, Lord, for your life, your death, your resurrection. In your name we pray, amen.